Jesus promised. He'll take, take care of me. How many of y'all believe that? Don't, it don't feel like you believe it. I mean, just the way you're clapping. I mean, just, it don't feel like it. it. It doesn't feel like there was just a whole lot of support for all that. I mean, it, it feel like you kind of believe it. Maybe you believe it. Yeah, yeah. Make, make, me, make me feel like I need to say, do you really believe that Jesus will take care of you? Yeah, it doesn't matter how big the problem he, he promised. Yeah. We've been living on the promises. Been living on the promises. We've been standing on them too. Yeah, we've been living on his promises for a long time. Yeah, we used to sing that church. He promised. He promised never to leave me alone. One of y'all have lived in that reality before. You felt like nobody else was with you, but he was there with you. Amen. Took care of you. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Songwriter said, I don't have to worry about the things ahead. The next part is the trip up part, though. All I have to do is live right. Ooh. Ooh. That's the problem. That living right problem. Yeah, and believe in what he said. Been preaching a sermon series entitled Questions from God. Step away from that in the spirit of the season. Do something I haven't done in quite a few years. And it's deviate from my normal stewardship pattern. In November, and talk about the season, Thanksgiving. Ask the Lord to give me something to help us celebrate this season. And he led me to a passage of scripture. First Chronicles chapter 29. It's a very, very famous prayer of David. When I read the relevant passage, you'll know why it's famous. You've, you've heard parts of it before. Maybe you didn't know why David was praying this prayer or what it was about, but yeah, it's a famous prayer of, of David. First Chronicles 29, starting at verse 10. Jesus, I mean, I'm sorry, David is talking to the Israelites. And, read, and the writer pens these words, Wherefore, David blessed the Lord before all the congregation. And David said, Blessed be thou, Lord God of Israel, our Father forever and ever. Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty 
For all that is in the heaven and the earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O God, and thou art exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come of thee, and thou reignest over all. And in thine hand is power and might, and in thine hand it is to make great and to give strength unto all. Now, therefore, our God, we thank thee and praise thy glorious name. And then he writes this poignant question. He says, but who am I? And what is my people that we should be able to offer so willingly after this sort? For all things come of thee, and of thine own have we given thee. All things come of thee, and of thine own have we given thee. We sing that. all the time in our offertory. But it's actually David who introduces us at this juncture into the concept, Casanova, of thanksgiving. We ought to be thankful to God. But he puts it into context. And even when we're being thankful to God, we should be mindful that it's already God. Because all things came to us from God. And so while we're getting all excited about giving back, David reminds us in this passage that it's already his. And so all we're doing is giving him back his own. And that's not just things. That's us too. So what is Thanksgiving? Today I want to talk a little bit about the, the theology of Thanksgiving the theology of thanksgiving. It probably helps to understand the backdrop to this passage that David, that David is written uh, uh, about here. The chronicler tells us that David tells the whole congregation that they should be thankful to God. But it's on the backdrop of David by example, showing them what true thankfulness is. Yeah. David wanted to build God a temple. He wanted to build God the most magnificent temple, temple that ever existed. And so God heard David, heard his request to build a temple, and God, believe it or not, denied it. He denied the request for David to build a temple for him. And he told David that he couldn't build a temple for him because David had too much blood on his hand. David had become a man of war. That's right, Dylan, a man of, of war. David had a desire to do something for God, to honor him, but God doesn't just take anything. And I don't doubt that David's heart was pure, but his hands and his life had been sullied. Even though God called David a man after his own heart, there were still limitations on what God wanted 
established from David. And so God told him that it wouldn't be him who would build the temple, but instead it would be his son. Still come out of the house of David, but it would be his son. And they offered, and David at that time, Tam had a bunch of sons. One wasn't happy and was trying to dethrone David. That's the second story. But the one who was selected to actually build the temple was his son Solomon. Solomon was identified as the one who would build the temple to the Lord. And so David, in the abundance of his appreciation, David, in the abundance of his love and faithfulness to the Lord, decided he was going to make an example. And so he said, Lord, if I can't build a temple, I can at least get all the material together to build the temple. And so he set about securing all of the resources to build the temple. But not only did he uh, amass the finest resources in the world, he also took of his own personal treasury and gave abundantly to the temple project. And it's on the backdrop of that that David now turns to the congregation and says to them these words that I just read to you. And in reflection, Mason, David says, I'm sitting up here feeling so good about myself and all that I'm doing to give to the Lord and I realize that it's all his anyway. Anything, I go around the world, if I go get the finest gold, it's his gold. If I go get the finest wood, it's his wood. All we're doing is getting it together and giving God back was already his own. But even in that, even in that, there's a willingness. Even in that, there's an example of faith. And so what, my friends, do we do? in terms of showing our gratitude towards the Lord. Thanksgiving is defined as the act of giving thanks, grateful acknowledgement of benefits or favors, especially to a deity is what it says in, in many dictionaries, but to God, an expression of thanks, especially to God a public celebration or acknowledgement of divine favor or kindness. And then what we've come today on the, on, on the cusp of celebrating is a day in this country that has been set aside for the express purposes of saying thank you. That's, that's what Thursday is in this country. It's a whole day that's supposed to be set aside for us to be thankful. And I wonder how many of us truly spend Thanksgiving Day being thankful or even thinking about being thankful. I wonder how many of us even know that that's the whole purpose of the day, that it's not just about food. It's not just about family. It's not just about football. It's not even about any of those things. Our country decided that as a country founded on Christian principles, 
we ought to set aside a day to show our gratitude for the blessings that God has given to us. We don't teach this lesson well anymore. In fact, our teaching of Thanksgiving Day is so dated as to be rejected by most folk. Oh yeah, oh yeah. The Thanksgiving holiday today is still depicted by uh, pilgrims and Native Americans and them eating together soon after those uh, colonizers came to that we call America and they figured out how to take what was already occupied by somebody. The European settlers came over. Well, if I'm going to stand up here, I'm going to tell the story and not just what they put in the book. We get old enough to learn that it wasn't a pretty situation. It might have been good for reading in school, but the reality of it is colonizing this country came with a whole lot of issues. And there were already people here when the European settlers came. Not only that, the accurate story includes genocide and disease and destruction that have the people who were indigenous to this land have never recovered from. And so the fact that there is a depiction of a group of them celebrating is a good way for us to launch into our history. It's simply not the whole story. And we ought to at least have the whole story. The fact of the matter is that first depiction followed a year of trials and hardship. And it was those indigenous people who actually taught the European settlers how to tame this land and live from it. And so for that reason, it was okay for them to celebrate and be thankful. But they should have been thankful, not just to the deity who blessed them through that year, but to those indigenous people who taught them how to celebrate and live here. That should have been a core part of the celebration. Now you would think that with that as a backdrop, that that would be enough for us to move as we move forward, but the truth of the matter is, we never got any better on our celebration. We in this community, and I mean the community that stems from Africans who were brought to this country, we too ought to understand the importance of Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah, we of all people sitting here now, some not even aware of our own deep history, some willing to forget the history that we have, but we have come over a way that with tears has been watered. Yeah, we come treading our path through the blood of the slaughter, out from the gloomy path, till now we stand at last where the bright, bright, bright gleam of our bright star has been cast. We ought to understand what being thankful is all about. Anybody that came through the ancestors of the Middle Passage and now stand so far away from that that you don't even remember what folk went through. When once reminded, you ought to say, thank you, Lord. 
Yeah, yeah. We, we ought to be willing to say, thank you, Lord. We didn't come as pilgrims, and most of the time, we didn't want to come. <laughs> and yet, we're here, and we're thriving, and we're celebrating, and we need to stop telling folk we African-American. We just Americans. All right? This is our country. This land is your land. This land is my land. Yeah, my land. Yeah, we always put limitations on, on us. We are as much Americans as anybody, anybody else. We've earned the right to say that. Black Americans who have the most to be thankful for, I think, in this country. With all the problems that we have, despite the obstacles we've had, we can, like the prophet David, we can be thankful. But do you know that you have to teach folk to be thankful? Thankfulness is not something that automatically comes. You have to teach people how to be appreciative of anything, really. Oh, yeah. And it's best if you teach people young. It's best that it grows up in them. But the truth of the matter is there are many people who have grown up without an understanding of what thankfulness truly is. And in fact, I came to tell you today that there's a difference in being thankful and being, and, and gratitude. Oh yeah. There's a difference in thankfulness and in gratitude. Thankfulness is about the present interaction. Yeah. For example, you're walking in the door and somebody holds it for you. You turn around and you say what? Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Somebody hands you something across the counter. You say what? Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, but gratitude evidences an ongoing understanding and appreciation of what someone has done for you. In other words, gratitude takes mental reflection and meditation on what has transpired in your life. The truth of the matter is, if you don't teach a child to be grateful, they won't be. They, they won't be. Yeah, come on now. I, I know I'm talking to somebody in here. Uh, you, have, you, have, you have gotten grown, but your mama had to tell you what, what you say. Yeah, when somebody hands you something, your mama said, what, what, what you say? Yeah, and you turn around and you say, thank you. Whether you meant it or not, that, that's what I'm talking about. Whether you meant it or not, you turn around and utter the word, thank you. And then you move on and we get old enough to know that if we don't say thank you, there's going to be some spank you coming after that. And so we say it, we say it out of obligation sometimes and not out of understanding and I came to tell you today that gratitude means that you've thought about that thing. Yeah, gratitude means you have done some, 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 you're conscious of the fact that someone has done something for you you could not do for yourself. They've aided you in a way that you could not. You're aware of the actions of another. And it, and it, and it swells up in your consciousness and appreciation for what they've done for you. And when that emanates from your relationship with God, 
That's the kind of thank you that we're talking about. Listen, we're all affected by each other in some way or another. But, but, but gratefulness, gratefulness means I can appreciate how my life is interacting with your life how you have done for me something that's been a blessing for me. That's what gratitude is. True gratitude expresses thank you, not just from my mouth, but from my whole heart. You understand what I'm talking about. Let, let, me, let me see if I can walk you through this. In the Old Testament, you won't find many opportunities for thank yous being given. Now, I know, I know that's strange. Yeah, yeah. See, you have to teach folk to be thankful. God had to teach the people how to be thankful for what he had done for them. You would think it's just something that comes automatically. These folk who had connection to the Lord, you'd think they would just be grateful, but it's not so. It's not so. Uh, uh, the Old Testament lacks a whole lot of evidence of people being grateful. Yeah, it's missing in there. Let, let me see. We can start at the beginning. Adam and Eve didn't thank God for his creation. A Adam and Eve didn't turn around and thank God for living in paradise. And in fact, their actions is that they weren't even appreciative of living in paradise because they ruined the relationship. One good evidence of you being grateful is that you value the relationship and you protect it in a way that should be you don't violate the rules of the relationship. Their children didn't pick up on thankfulness. How do I know this? Because, well, well, it didn't spread to all their children because if you look compared to Abel's gift of fat portions from his firstborn flock, Cain just gave God some old fruit that he had. And so clearly, it wasn't a household discussion at the dinner table in the evening how you ought to show thankfulness uh, to the Lord. The families of Isaac and Jacob were so uh, confused about the blessings that God had given that instead of it being something that benefited the whole family, they, they fought over them. They schemed so that one brother could get the blessings over another. It couldn't be enough for one of them. That's how they treated the blessings that God had given. This is the same Isaac, who one would think would have been grateful after God uh, showed his dad the ram in the bush. Same one who had been rescued from the knife. He turns around and has children and a wife who don't understand or appreciate gratitude. Yeah. How about I go a little bit deeper? Israel, coming straight out of Egypt. Somebody ought to hear me on this now. They've been in bondage. We're talking about millions of people. Pharaoh's foot was on their neck so deep. They come out of bondage, and it's not straight out of bondage. They had to be led out by this man named Moses after a series of very public situations where God had to keep one up in Pharaoh and show him that he was in charge. This happened time and time again. Finally, they get released from Egypt. Pharaoh basically tells them to get out of town. They flee out of town with clothes on their back, basically. They get to the desert, and they're not a few steps in the desert when instead of turning around and having a proud meeting, they turn around and complain. 
and they start grumbling that we came out here in the desert to die. You didn't bring us nothing out of here. We're we not in slavery anymore, but you don't care about us no more. They're not thanking God. They're complaining about God because you have to teach folk how to be grateful. And so even when God responds again in his abundant love by making food fall out of the sky every day from them, they still turn around, Monica, and complain. God is giving them a daily portion of food, and they complain about the food. All we got is McDonald's. Ain't no Burger King. Ain't no Subway. I'm tired of church of chicken. I just need something different. We complain while God is taking care of us. That's what they did. Ain't no meat. I'm tired of vegan burgers. I need some meat. And so God gives them so much meat that you couldn't even step for stepping on meat. And they complain about that gratitude church had to be taught. Not only did it have to be taught, it has to be exhibited. And can I tell you, for it to flow to the next generation, gratitude has to be caught. And the only way it's going to be caught is if they see the example of being said on a regular basis. But not only was it a struggle in the Old Testament, it's only till we get in the Psalms that we start seeing more writing about gratitude. How is that? Why is that? It's because God had to lay out specifically how you give thanks. That's why in Scripture, in the Old Testament, not only do you see God telling the people of Israel how to worship him, he also has to teach them what to do when they mess up in worshiping him. And that's why we see sin offering. When you mess up, do this, all right? A guilt offering. When you mess up, do this. He also had to teach them how to give a thank offering when you're grateful. When God has been blessing you, this is something that you ought to do. In fact, the thank offering was an expression of gratitude to the Lord for any deliverance or act of love. That's according to Leviticus. God had to teach them, like I'm trying to teach us, that we have to be grateful to the Lord for what he's done for us. But when you get to the Psalms, you start seeing about 20 Psalms or so commanding Israel to sing songs of thanksgiving. It's growing in our practice that we ought to be grateful to the Lord. Wasn't innate in us, but God put the spirit of love and thanksgiving in our hearts. Some Psalms will give you a reason for saying thank you. They'll link thanksgiving with like acts of love and worship, exhorting those of us who understand it to glorify God with thanksgiving. One of the psalmists wrote, come before him with thanksgiving. Yeah, come before him with thanksgiving. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Sing to the Lord with thanksgiving. 
God has put it on the hearts of those who are instructing us and the early church that Thanksgiving is something we ought to be giving back to the Lord. The New Testament gets better at expressing Thanksgiving and it ties it to something that you and I can benefit from. Yeah, Most of the time in New Testament, when you see someone giving thanks, it's over a meal. That's, that's most of the time. It's, it's over some act of eating or about to serve, feeding the multitude. And Jesus, when he had given thanks, this is what the scripture said, when he had given thanks, he divided it amongst the disciples. Yeah. But the crowds, the same ones who benefited from the blessing of the food, did not turn around and glorify the deity. You need to hear me. So you can pray over food that sinners eat and don't care nothing about God who provided it for them. You need to hear me. Everybody that sits at your Thanksgiving table is not going to understand that it's God who made it able. They won't appreciate what, ha what has happened in getting the blessings to your table unless you make sure they understand. I can remember standing up at holiday after holiday before my family would eat and everybody say, Daddy, say grace. Daddy would start praying and Daddy wouldn't stop praying until Christmas. Everybody rolling their eyes. I'm old enough to understand you don't know what he's been through. Who cares if the turkey's cold? He had to walk the work to get the turkey for us. And so he's grateful, not just for the turkey because his shoes didn't wear out. You need to understand that we're living in a place right now where we're taking God's blessing absolutely for granted. Like it always had to be so. We won't even go back two steps to say thank you. He's been so good to us. The same folk who were there in the New Testament enjoying the miracles didn't even appreciate the miracle maker. They didn't even give thanks for him. Yo, no, 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 no. They enjoyed the miracles without gratitude. Do you see that there were 10 lepers that were healed of leprosy? And yet the Bible says there wasn't but one of them full enough of gratitude. Out of 10, all of them living in isolation, in horror, nobody taking care of them, nobody feeding them, till Jesus came. Jesus heals them. And before they turn around and say anything to him, they get going to show everybody how good they look now. I can pray with you now in one of them. One of them, here's a lesson now. One of them had enough about him before he went and shared it with his family. Before he said it to anybody else, he had enough about him to turn around in his spirit and say, Lord, thank you for healing me. How many of us, which one would you be, the one or in the nine? We have to learn how to be grateful and it's in the New Testament that we start seeing that we not only have to be taught to be grateful, but there's a significant 
intersection there because being thankful is tied to being thankful for our deliverance through Christ. Not just being saved, but being saved because Christ died for us. That's a distinction that you and I need to understand as believers. We're not just believers in God. We're believers in God who gave us his son, Jesus the Christ, who died for us and pleased his father. And his father was so pleased by his death that he blessed us with resurrection. And that's why you and I, in our faith, have a right to the tree of life. We have to be taught this. It's something you have to show your children. How do I know it? Because I saw it build up in the New Testament. Yeah, all of the spontaneous, spirit-filled gratitude is right there in Scripture. When the sinful woman had the nerve, Casanova, to come into a dinner party. Because Jesus was in there. She had the nerve at the dinner party to break out her alabaster box and decide she was going to anoint Jesus Christ. Everybody at the party put on their social faces and said, get her out of here. But that's not what happened with Jesus. Jesus said to her, leave her alone. She is simply grateful. And when you're grateful, can't nobody stop you from expressing your gratitude. When you're truly grateful, blind Bartimaeus couldn't be shut up. Even the folk who were sitting there tried to shut him up. But blind Bartimaeus, who'd been blind all his life, can now see. And they couldn't shut him up from telling how good God had been to him. The woman with the issue of blood just wanted to slink into the crowd. But her gratitude made her turn around and tell the truth of what had happened to her. Gratitude expresses itself in your actions. This is what the Bible shows us about it. For a whole lot of us, our, our situations might be different than what we see in Scripture. Yeah. It might not be the same thing that David is experiencing, but I bet if we dig deep enough into your story, you might have something in there too because sometimes we've been doing good so long, we forgot what it felt like to do bad. Yeah, we, we forgot about it. We've been, we've been looking over stuff in the refrigerator that we didn't forgot what it looked like to not have nothing in the refrigerator to look over. We've forgotten about it. Yeah, the Bible has a reason why it tells us not to grow weary in well-doing, but you got to remember. You got to remember that God is the one who has given you everything. Everything. A-L-L, Clyde Beverly. A-L-L. He's given all of it to you. Not just the stuff you got right now, but when you had nothing to think of. He gave that to you as well. Yeah. We don't have a different situation than they had. Look, right now, we got difficulties this year with the economy. Yeah, gas prices, paychecks not where we want them to be, crime everywhere. This situation hadn't changed really throughout history. Thanksgiving and giving thanks to God has happened throughout history. And yet, we have examples 
throughout recorded history of how people say thank you. We got to remember, we're not alone. We've never, ever been alone. God has always been in the midst of this fallen world. He's always been in the middle of it. Yeah, and God, the same one that David called on, is the same God that you and I call on. He's no different, and he's mightier and more powerful than you and I can ever imagine. All he wants us to do is to let him know how much we appreciate him, how much we love him. Yeah, the same God who quieted the storms for the disciples is the same God who can quiet the storm in your life. He had stopped doing what he knows how to do. The question is, how do you show your appreciation? We serve a God who is powerful and worthy of all the glory, and sometimes we forget about who we're talking about here. We make God a punchline in our lives as if it's an he's an also run. No, he is the essence of why we exist. It's not your folks, it's not your family, it's not your name, it's not your education, it's God who has done all these things for us. He has showed us his power in the life of so many people, but specifically David, the shepherd boy who had to fight and hide, not just when he was younger, he had to fight and hide from animals. Yeah, but he also had to fight and hide from people in the kingdom once he got up in the position that he was in. David, not the only leader who's had to hide from folk trying to do him harm. Not the only one. Still out there right now, that leaders still have to box and hide and duck while trying to help kingdom advance. Yeah, not only that, he had issues. And that's why David could be grateful that's why David, in this passage that I wrote, can come back and say, God, I'm going to give it all back to you because he says, I'm the same David who once you took me out of the sheepfold, I got distracted by a woman on a, on a rooftop. I'm the same David who, who did the things that you told me not to do. You told me not to mess with the, the sacramental elements in the church, and I'm thinking I'm the king and I can do what I want to do. And so I go in there myself. Like, I'm going to offer the offering. This is the same David who knew what his problems were. Let me ask you this, church. Do you acknowledge your own shortcomings in your life? And God's still blessing you. Are you mature enough in your faith walk to identify your own shortcomings? Because all ALL have fallen short. There's not one person in here who's always right about something. We all got issues that God has to help us deal with. And when he helps us get through them, we ought to be thankful. We ought to be grateful how he's blessed us with it. David convinced not only his own household to give, but he also convinced all the leaders. That's this passage we read. When he set the example of giving generously, what I didn't read to you is that all the leaders in the country did the same thing. And that's how all of the resources came together to build the temple that was mighty unto the Lord. God showed us his power 
through so many people, but never through anybody like he showed it through Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah, if you just read the simple story of Jesus' life, born into poverty, never had a formal education. Show me anywhere in Scripture where it says that Jesus went to school. Anywhere, show me what formal education that Jesus had. In fact, God in his infinite wisdom hid a portion of Jesus' life so that you and I wouldn't tear it down trying to say, well, he didn't go to the right school. He, he didn't have the right teacher. Jesus just showed up grown, ready to work. That's what it says in, school, in, in the scripture right there. Not only that, he never owned anything of an earthly value. It never said, Jesus said he was going to heal the man's wife, but he needed to go lock his house up first. It, it didn't say that he had to go make sure his donkey didn't get away while he was out doing missionary work. It never said any of that, but that's what we do. We always pay attention to the things on this side before we elevate the things of a spiritual of the spiritual nature. Now, I, I'm, I'm guilty of that myself, but when God takes priority, he takes priority. And when he takes priority, he takes care of you and all that he's put in your hand. Jesus Christ never had anything from an earthly perspective that he called his own, but he never missed a meal. No. Not only that, he always had what he needed. In fact, he was so rich when they put him on the cross that other folk who were less well-off than him gambled over the clothes that he had on. That's how wealthy he was. There's always somebody looking at what you got, wishing they had it. And God continues to show us how good he is. If you're being honest and uh, observant, you know that's true in your life too. I wish somebody would start a line right here in front of the altar. Anybody in here who did it all by themselves, come on, let us know. We, we want to know the secret. We, we want to know. Somebody right here, start a queue right here in the line right here. Not an Omega, but a queue right here in the line. I'm in a line right here. Somebody who did it all by yourself, raise your hand. I want to know if you did it, if you got it all by yourself. Show me how good you are. It's going to be a short line because anybody with any sense knows that God did it for him. And, and, and I don't care today if it make you feel bad because you got to think about what God has done for you. That doesn't bother me today. I want you to feel something about it. I want you to know that if it had not been for him on your side, you wouldn't be here. I want you to know that. I want you to leave here convicted with the notion that he has held you, he has kept you, he has blessed you, and you didn't deserve any of it. None of it. I want you to understand that Thanksgiving don't start on TV. It starts in M.E. Starts with me. I don't care what anybody else does. Not only should I be thankful Thursday, I ought to be, I ought to be thankful Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and every other day because of what he's done for me. Yeah, things might not be perfect, but somebody in here knows it could be worse. Oh, 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 yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. There's a writer named Daniel Defoe who wrote a book. Some of you may have heard of it. You may have heard of it through his character. The character that he wrote was called Robinson Crusoe. 
Yeah, Robinson Crusoe is famous because he was, he was stranded, Casanova, on a desert, on an island. Boat he was on capsized it. Found himself on a deserted island. Robinson Crusoe, in that deserted place, gave us some instruction that we would do well to follow. And he was fortunate when he was left, when he was uh, deserted, to be able to find something to write with and a piece of some paper. And on, on one side of the paper, he started making a list and he wrote down all his problems on a deserted island. I mean, when you're on a deserted island, you got a whole lot of time. And so he had time enough to write down his problems. But on the other side, of the list of problems, Robinson Crusoe wrote his blessing. Yeah, yeah, for example, he said, on one side he wrote, I don't have any clothes, okay? But then on the other side he said, but, but it's warm and I don't really need any more clothes, all right? On the other side he wrote, all of my provisions, all my food, everything was lost. But on the other side he wrote, but there's plenty of fresh water, and there's fruit on this island. And so I should be able to eat and have something to drink. Yeah. In that way, for every problem he had, he saw that God had made provision. Even on a desert island, he was able to be grateful that God had provided for him. I came to tell somebody right now who's on a desert island in their life somewhere who's stranded in some place mentally, that God has made provision for you as well. You might not have examined your life in the way you need to, but I came to tell you for every problem, God's got a solution if you look at the situation in the right way. Some of you today have come to realize that we're all sinners. Yeah, that's okay, all right? Because I came to tell you that we have a Savior. And that's something we ought to be thankful for. Yeah, 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 yeah. Somebody else has come to realize that that Savior was crucified. Yeah, yeah. Not only was he crucified, they buried him. That's okay. I came to tell you he was resurrected. And that's something to be grateful for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody else may realize that after the resurrection, this same Christ went back to heaven. I came to tell you this morning, and I'm out of here, that's okay, because he's coming back again. And that's something to be grateful for. You ought to know that for every problem you and I have, God has already got a solution for it. The question is, do you have faith in this God? Today's the day for you to acknowledge, if you're here, out of gratefulness, that Christ died for you, was resurrected for you, and he lives today for you and one day one day i can't wait for that day if i'm living i'll see it when he comes if not it won't stop me from getting together with you one day he's coming back to be with us are you here today are you here today it's today the day that you're going to show him how grateful you are for dying for you and being resurrected if so i extend the invitation to you doors of our church are wide open. Whosoever will, let them come right now. Right now.